Friday night. I know nobody's listening because y'all are all zooming, but I got a shot of hot rock and roll for you anyway. Kale, a Red River Rock and Roll request. Hey, do you have that, uh, do you have that, uh, new Midnight of the Monster Museum episode? <laughs> Real funny, guys. Okay, you want to hang up now? Did you do that? What happened? It's like super feedback. Just put the underwolf across the over flapper. I don't know. Just went dead air. Welcome to episode seven of Midnight at the Monster Museum. Midnight Monster Museum. I'm Tom. This is Jeff. This is a very momentous occasion for me because this is, I, I'm not saying we haven't surpassed episode seven, but we're at episode seven. And whenever I've done anything episodic that I have tried any kind of series, any kind of anything, I never get past seven. So it's this weird thing. Like my monster garage, which is a YouTube show I did. Check it out. It's on YouTube. Uh, my monster garage only got to episode seven. Uh, my kids show that I've been working on, I'm only on episode seven and it's, uh, we've hit some stone walls and we'll see if we can't uh, bring that back. That's called Monsters Rock and it does rock, but it's also stuck at seven. It's just a thing. That's not and happening here. The crazy thing is my buddy Tyler, who runs the Squash Match uh, podcast through Anchor, who kind of, gave me the platform to work, you know, on this. He just kind of pulled the plug at episode seven. It just seems to happen. So oh, his podcast, his podcast hmm. is, is just died out. And, uh, so I'm going to die now when I, when I leave. I hope not. No, that depends <laughs> on what freaking retarded okay. monster. Comes no, Cause I just you. said, Oh, it's not happening. <laughs> so here's the thing. If we make it to episode eight, everybody give us some virtual high fives. I think it is going to happen. We got a good team here and we're doing really well. We have lots of content. We're getting a great fan base. We're building the sponsors. Things are happening. We have some big plans for the future, but let's talk about a little bit about the future coming up in our lives. We have a bunch of stuff in 1313 effects world, which is, uh, outside the monster museum. I, I run a little effects group along with a bunch of other awesome, talented people. Uh, and it's called 1313 effects. And, uh, we are working on a ton of movies. We're working on, uh, some, some crazy amounts of stuff, but in our near future, we have the days of the dead horror convention here in Las Vegas, tons of celebrities. It's going to, there's going to be a makeup challenge that I'm hosting. There's uh, it's just going to be three days of old school horror convention style fun. And I think we're going to try to do a live broadcast from the, the convention. And that would be really cool. Uh, that being said live, I don't know if it will actually stream live or if we will just record it live with other people around, which is just about as live as we're doing right now. So uh, excuse my terminology, but we are going to record a podcast, not at the monster museum, but maybe more like three in the afternoon at, uh, days of the dead instead of midnight at the on monster location. museum. Yeah. On location. And then directly following that, uh, trade show, we start a movie called Halloween night, meet the Ouija's for full moons, uh, brand new, uh, endeavor called deadly 10. They're doing 10 films in one year all with different directors. We're spreading the resources and trying to make some of the greatest, coolest, schlockiest, fun flicks that we can, uh, starting with Halloween night. If you haven't been to deadly10.com, head over there. We just did a, a live broadcast of uh, the director, Danny Draven, meeting 
the Ouija's for the first time, which is the little ghoulie type creatures that were creating him. Um, it's, it's a fun little uh, video. Check that out on Deadly10.com. And with that being said, maybe we can get Danny on, on the cast to talk about the movie before we start filming or after we film it. But we will also broadcast and record a episode on set. Or maybe we'll, we'll make a, uh, an episode out of a bunch of chunks from on set. Like we'll bring the recorders and, and every time we have some downtime, interview an actor or interview uh, a camera guy or whoever, whoever in the filmmaking process we can, you know, has something to bring to the table here. But it is a very short six-day shoot and we're going to be working our tails off the whole time. Lots of puppets. All the effects guys are going to be super busy. So we'll see what we can do. But I think it'd be really cool to bring the movie world into the podcast as well as, because that's what the museum's about. We bring the movie world to the museum and the museum uh, flourishes. We had a heck of a day today. It's a, uh, today is the second day of summer, you know, since school let out really, but it's Labor Day weekend, uh, Memorial Day weekend. What weekend yes. is it? Memorial. Memorial. It's Memorial Day weekend. Don't rush Labor, Labor Day. Day until uh, <laughs> yeah, don't rush that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, and at the time that we're recording this, and we had oh man, record numbers in here today. So uh, that was great. And uh, let's get this show started. Flashback feature. Thirteen years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the savagery of a faceless killer. In the wake of this bizarre rampage, he vanished. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Chainsaw Massacre 2, The Buzz is Back, directed by Toby Hooper. Xanadu? No, not Xanadu. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? Two? Two? Uh, yeah, yeah no, hey. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is our flashback feature. Uh, obviously a fan favorite for so many. Um, I. It's one of my favorite, uh, yeah. Sequels? Yeah. Or like horror do you consider it a straight horror or do you go no, horror comedy it's horror comedy yeah for sure. it's dark dark horror comedy and i love it i love uh from the opening scene with that dude with the funny hologram glasses uh straight to you know uh the antics of bill mosley um i believe that uh, texas chainsaw 2 is one of the greatest dark comedies out there you know it's got like bride of frankenstein humor where it, you think you're watching a horror movie and it is disturbing it is gross but at the same time, it's well, certainly a dramatic a departure from the first movie. I mean, not just in tone, but I mean, even the characters themselves that, you know, I mean, not a lot of them return. Right. From, but Jim Seidel, he, he returns. Yeah. Well, he's the he's old man and, and they get a name in this one. Uh, you, you, Wally, had alluded to them last week with your cannibals. As the Sawyers. Yeah. yeah the Sawyers. I, you know what? It's really crazy because they were the Sawyers and they were the Sawyers forever until they were the Hewitts. And that was always... Yeah. A little baffling to me, and I almost thought the Hewitts aren't the same family. They're like the Care Bear cousins of. Oh, there's a bunch of retconning in there. I mean, even in names, you know, uh, there's retconning. There's names and and retconned even before it comes goes to the yeah. Hewitts. It's still in timelines and stuff. Well, I uh, I think that part two, giving them the name, is a really cool thing. I'm just going to hit on a couple of the elements that I like for anybody that hasn't watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. I highly advise you just pause this, watch it. Uh, there's a ton of screaming. Like, it might be the most yelliness, screamingness movie I've ever seen. But uh, watch it and then get right back here so I don't spoil it. I know the movie's over 30 years old, but it is such a gem that I don't want to ruin your uh, appetite for a wonderful Saw movie. So here we go.
right. Thanks for coming back. And uh, I'm glad that you watched that movie. And I hope you loved it as much as I do. Here's, here's a bunch of points that you must understand how important they are. Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper is the man. The birth of Bill Mosley as a horror icon. This is huge. We'll touch on all this. Yeah. And then uh, the, the, the cave that they live in, that abandoned zoo theme park, they don't even touch on how fucking cool it is to live in an abandoned zoo-type well, theme that park. that entire set is Oh, my incredible. God. And it was a real abandoned yeah. working theme park at some point. I love where they live, and if I was a cannibalistic family, I would live there, too. Uh and then uh, stretch, stretch is. Uh, well, I think that's that's kind of what it's talking about. Is that the it, it, the tonal change? It almost feels like it's an alternate universe version of them, despite the fact that Side Out right plays the same. Well, I think that. the idea is like <clears throat> all that shit hit the fan in the seventies, and they're like, oh, we got to up and move. Yeah. And in the Reagan times, in the eighties, people were successful in business. They were spending lots of money. So Jim Sidow's out there winning chili competitions <laughs> as the father yeah, right. figure of this family. He's <laughs> providing for his family. He bought them a theme park, and it was—it's pretty impressive. It, whether he bought it or not is left to speculation. The idea of him being successful in business of serving up humans to other humans is pretty much one of the coolest things. That's ever happened. The second year in a row this year, Drayton, you've got to tell the secret of that fabulously tasty chili. <laughs> no secret, it's the meat. Uh, don't skimp on the meat. Uh, I, I got a real good eye for prime meat. Mm. <laughs> Runs in the family. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> One of those uh, hard shell peppercorns. <laughs> I think that uh, the Ho that Hooper, Toby Hooper, he really came in into his own as far as being a director because there's I mean, just the, he wasn't supposed to direct it, you know, right, only a right. budgetary thing, but the just the the overall uh, presentation of the film it was it completely was divisive and polarizing to the fan base because of the tonal shift. But I mean, even just visually speaking, uh, I I love this movie. So yeah, it's it's uh it's one of those things where i felt like all the stars aligned and it wasn't received by the general public nearly as well as by the horror fans but also by the time this movie came out unlike the original fangoria existed you know fandom existed and i think that the fans grabbed onto this movie so hardcore the video store uh, had the standee with the Breakfast Club. Yeah, like, I know. I love that so much. And uh, uh, I always thought that was the most brilliant marketing ever because the Breakfast Club itself is saying, hey, we're all fucked up. And so then to see the Chainsaw family in that position is like, yeah, we are all fucked up. And this is me and my chainsaw. And this is me and my plate in my head you know well i think it's funny because uh you know a lot of a lot of the fan base that were turned off by it uh you know citing the the offbeat and, and black humor and such uh, toby hooper says you know the the first movie has lots of black humor in it yeah you, know, you guys just don't see it you know yeah and uh you I, know what do you what do you say to the guy that made the, <laughs> you know he made the original so it's like yeah. you know we did tell him that uh that there was or wasn't and what i the thing is, is he's one of my favorite directors. Um, I don't know that he's ever made a movie I don't like. I think that uh, through Texas Chainsaw 2, he got to make his the movie he wanted to make. And he had a budget. And he had an effects team that was on it. And they knew. Tom Savini did a lot of the work for Texas Chainsaw 2. But he also had John Vulich at his side, you know. Yeah. And he had... He had a lot There's of great people working under him, and 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 what a what a awesome take on the Leatherface character. Uh, um, I love the Leatherface. Yeah, the the, so the dude when he gets skinned, LG. The, LG when he's skinned and and sitting in front of everybody. I mean, and he's talking, and it's I mean, that was fun. it's foam latex, and we've seen it before, but back then that was really top of the well, line. Even when they take the face and they put and she puts it back on, yeah, that of course was desired, but it was not delivered, right? You know, and uh, they were actually pleasantly surprised to see it that, fit the, yeah, it, it fit fits perfect. absolutely yeah. perfectly. Yeah, it was not a snapcast or anything. It was just sculpted with the eyes missing and it, the diameters were correct, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
No, great gore effects. I mean, maybe some of the best gore effects. And just awesome acting. Dennis Hopper, who is a crazy mofo, goes up against this crazy family. And when he's testing those chainsaws out, he's like standing at this log at some like wood mill place. And he's just like slamming chainsaws into the and log and raising them totally <laughs> and hitting them down. And the, the salesman's like, you could see it in the salesman's face, who's an extra, probably not a trained actor, but in his face, you're like, he thinks that dude's crazy. He's like, this guy's crazy, but he's gonna buy some chainsaws. <laughs> so he doesn't stop him. He's like, I'm turning them down. Dennis Hopper, despite his greatness and despite our love for it, he actually, at a point in time, had said that he thought this is the worst film worst ever movie. been. And, until he, space truckers? Until he made uh, Super Mario Brothers. And oh. he died to the day. <laughs> and I can't disagree with him. That movie's awful. Yeah. But uh, was it he? I think he was in Stuart Gordon's Space Truckers. I'm almost positive, and I love that movie. Uh, I haven't seen it for years and years, and I think it was Dennis Hopper that, that started it. Well, I think it. part of part of the thing that might have been the problem is is because they went to film with a, a script that, you know, they, I guess, just uh, nicely described it as a work in progress. Yeah. And uh, Kit Carson, the writer, uh, oddly enough, he, just prior to making this movie, he had done a couple of scripts, Paris, Texas, which I think Hopper's in that, yep. and then, uh, and then Breathless with Richard Gere, and he was told by his agent that uh, that he's graduated to become a serious screenwriter. And just before he wrote those movies, he had met Toby Hooper, who sh who showed him Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he was really enthusiastic about it. And as soon as his agent told him that, he literally went on record saying, "Oh shit." Yeah, because he didn't want to. <laughs> and then what did he do? He wrote Texas Chainsaw too, but uh, but they went to to film with bare bones shit basically, yeah. and he was rewriting the script the entire the shoot time. to the point that they were filming scenes. He's rewriting, and they're like, "No, you don't need to keep writing that. We just filmed that." <laughs> the uh, there was some weird financial backings in it too. Like there was. The first one found distribution through mob money, and the second one had ties to that, but also media, which was a Charles Band company, put out, uh, distributed Texas Chainsaw too. But uh, the production money itself, I think, was tied up in some of that mob money that, that uh, the first one. Well, there, there was reports that, uh, that money kept going back in and out of the production. Yeah, it was being like laundered yeah. through props and effects. And, yeah. Uh, so I wasn't there. I don't know any of that, but I've heard the lore. And, but lot, well, lots of people are going on record as saying yeah. that. that's why I can speak confidently yeah. about some of these things. You know, it's like, yeah, I wasn't there, and you know, but right. <laughs> enough I mean, people are saying it. <laughs> I don't want the Gambino family coming for me, but it has been spoken about in public on a lot of the commentaries and stuff too. Um, but uh, yeah, man, all in all, it's a roller coaster movie of of a good time and i'd say that uh if we if we could go to the cash flow because i want to hear your take on this is, is and i you know when i found out uh, i want to hear your your opinion on the matter and that uh, tom cvini was very ecstatic that when it came to the grandpa character that the effects team was actually allowed to, to cast create. him to cast him yeah because they were looking for a specific look you know for a that skinny gaunt, gaunt looking yep. person so they could you know make him look proper uh, as a frail old man and stuff. I mean, that's definitely not a commonality, right? Where the, no, yeah. and one of the things is, so Savini had recently done, one of his first overlaying uh, makeup appliances was for Friday 13th Part 4. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe this came after Part 4. I believe um, correct. And so he, he reused the overlaying uh, multi-piece prosthetic which is commonly used. He credits, he credits uh, Dick Smith, Dick Smith. from uh, because, Big Man. And so Dick Smith created the overlapping prosthetic, but it's commonly used when every Freddy Krueger movie, I mean, it's it's a thing that's done, but Absolutely. Savini is a uh, uh, effects artist from Pittsburgh. He wasn't in Hollywood. He wasn't working mm -hmm. in Hollywood. He never had a shop in Hollywood. So this is before the internet, this is before YouTube, and you're not watching how everybody's making stuff on Instagram and picking it apart. So being that he was inexperienced on Friday at four, which I think came first, uh, he called Dick and Dick Smith gave him every bit of information of how to do an overlaying appliance. 
and uh, he did it, and it looks so good on the Jason, and then he reuses that on the Grandpa effect too. It's a multi-piece overlaying prosthetic. It's, a piece. it's beautiful. I believe it was sculpted by John Gulich. Yes. And uh, one of my favorites. I, I've actually replicated that sculpture. At least and, that's what Sabine said. And I, I love, love, love that piece. Um, it's, it's one of those things where a collaboration of a bunch of great effects artists were able to pull things off in this movie and I think that's the most important, they play to their strengths, you know, and, and that's that's really important. And uh, I, I love that they allowed the effects team to cast the grandpa character, mm -hmm. and I push for it. Almost every time I put somebody under makeup, I try to put somebody I'm familiar with or somebody that I can find the that thinness or when, that. When there is other, other powers at hand, you know, other directors, mm -hmm. other... It happened to me on this how, film I'm how, working on right now. How often are you afforded that luxury to cast who you, who you like? Not often. Yeah. Not often. Uh, sometimes, if they trust me, or it, the sad part is, is if it's like a full creature suit, they almost don't know what to look for. So they'll be like, yeah, do you got a guy? But, you know, sometimes I work with a director that, uh, that totally is like, who do you got? What can they do? Because they want that performance. And then sometimes a lot of directors, it's their baby, it's their project. They want to be heavily involved in that casting process. And uh, like, even for the thing we're doing right now, I had a guy in mind for the Ganja Ghost that would work awesome. I already have a life guest of him and it would be perfect. But they found a guy that they like better. They're not thinking about the fact that that guy that they cast looks awesome. He's going to be completely covered under makeup. Yeah. Like, I'm glad he's awesome. He's going to be completely well, then I think the frustrating thing is I remember you saying straight up, yeah. you're not going to see this person. Yeah. It was, it was Snoop. Right? Yeah. When they were originally. They're, yeah, they're not. They're not. No, 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 no. But no, at no, the I, same time, that was, same thing. That was the whole point. You're not going to see him. Yeah. And if you do use him and we do see him, then we need to change the mm -hmm. concept. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, when, when you can afford to bring your own, my opinion into it is helpful, but I'm not the director, so I never push too hard. I'll never, you know, it's their movie. I'm just a tool. I offer my services. You tool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an Allen wrench, damn it. I want to touch base a little bit, even though hopefully people who have watched this, but I'm, I'm except the fact that people, a lot of people watch Yeah, there's people that have not seen it. Uh, Dennis Hopper's character, he's the uncle of Sally and, uh, was it Franklin? Franklin. Um, yeah. The wheelchair kid in uh, the first movie, and he's... Yeah, you know, he's convinced that, uh, that he's been tracking these guys. Yes, and, and uh, you actually like, see what happened to Franklin in this, which is super cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> well, I I don't know. I don't understand why they bring the wheelchair with them. Right? <laughs> they move. <laughs> now we're in the pits of this awesome underground sub dwelling. I can't disagree with you, but let's just think about the rest of their life choices here. We could be like. <laughs> Well, maybe they just don't think clearly. So, no, no, no. I, the way that I can justify this is they, you see it in the first one. They make all their furniture out of bones, their lampshades out of skin, their seats out of skin. They saw this contraption of a wheelchair and they're like, oh, we're going to use that. We're using that. And like me, I've hauled junk across country three times because I'm like, oh, I'm going to do something with this. I'm going to build something with this. And, uh, I think that chair is just that. He's gonna. They are gonna do something with. Well, there you go. With that, but they haven't. But man, wheelchairs are just such a pain. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they folded it up and took it with them, like they collapsed. But well, no, there's a body, body in it. it. Yeah. There's a body in the wheelchair of a big man, and it's like, well, all right, let's bring that with us. We're right. gonna use it. I didn't uh, properly uh, credit Ken Everett who played the. The grandpa, right? Uh, even though he doesn't exactly talk in the in the movie, no, but he performs. Yeah, very. Oh, absolutely, yeah. uh, very much so. And uh, Bill Johnson takes over as Leatherface in this movie. A very childlike version, similar to me to Gunner, like that child side. He's great in the role. Uh, from what I understand, they did approach uh, Gunner Hansen, and it was he a, just wanted money. He yeah. wanted he wanted what he deserved, to be yeah. honest. But well, from what one of the stories was that they offered him scale plus ten percent. For his agent, and then they told him, or he told them that they didn't have an agent, and then they took away the ten percent. Yeah. <laughs> so, there, there's an incredible book that I listened to on Audible's called uh, Chainsaw Confidential, and it's uh, Gunnar Hansen's recount of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he 
it's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I don't know if you've, if you've heard this, and I want to hear your reaction, which is the uh, unit publicist, uh, when Hanson was apparently thinking it over, and then just, they withdrew the offer and said, you know what, you know, the, the, the audience, the average audience of ours ain't going to even know who the, who the fuck these people are and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they're under a mask. And they're... no, but this is the thing is uh, his mentality was, who are Neil Burns and Hanson anyway? Yeah, there you go. But that's what we're talking about, Hitchhiker and Sally, too. Yeah. You know, that's not even a mask, man. You yeah. know, it's like, I think you're highly underselling your, you know, and underestimating the power of your iconography, even Hanson, you know? Yeah. I mean, nowadays, you know, Hanson has his fans. Oh, of course. Period. Of Period. course. You know, and I just, that, that statement is just mind-boggling to me, you know? Yeah. And I understand that maybe, you know, Things weren't quite the same as they are now and stuff. They don't have, you know, decades of legacy behind them and stuff. But that movie did create a legacy by the time the sequel was coming it around. It did. So. It did. And uh, I love Gunnar Hansen as Leatherface, and I think he would have done great in the sequel. I think he was a fabulous actor. But who's your favorite Leatherface of all Leatherfaces? I mean, it's been played it's, by so it's many it's people It's really now. hard to say because, I mean, even just those two movies, they're just... Just they're absolutely different. They're all different. completely different characters, and most of them are. Yeah. And I love this iteration of him. And it's it's hard to imagine other performers playing it like yeah. this. Right. And I really love I this. I guess version. the movies but, are but so he, different. Yeah. And he's, is he my favorite version of Leatherface? I can't say that. Huh. But I don't know that any of the other performers could perform him as well as Bill Johnson did in this movie. If that makes that sense. That does make sense. Yeah. It does make sense. And so it's hard for me so to... So what's your favorite Texas Chainsaw movie? I lean heavily toward this one, actually. Towards part two? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because I, when I saw it, I didn't know black comedy was a thing. Right. It's kind of like Evil Dead 2 a little bit, too. I saw this before I saw Evil, Evil Dead 2. When Evil Dead 2 came out, it was like, wait, this is a straight balls to wall horror movie with slapstick humor? Like, that is a weird thing. Well, see, the first time I saw Evil Dead 2, I caught it in the middle when Ash had already put a chainsaw on his right. arm and a shotgun, and he was a fucking superhero. Yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, man, this guy's awesome. You know, and then, plus plus, I already knew black comedy was a thing, too, yeah. so when I saw the funny... It was movie, a different like, experience. Yeah, absolutely. I would have to say that my favorite Texas Chainsaw film is part one. Hands oh, yeah? down. I thought you, you were going to say... Uh, but my favorite Leatherface... Three. Three. My favorite Leatherface is R.A. Mihailov from Part 3. He was the scariest. So Leatherface has a childlike quality in Part 1. He kind of just wants to play with you. And in Part 2, he just wants to fuck you. Like, he's like a, a horny guy. That's what I love, you know? loved about it is because... He almost... It's like teenager group. Yeah, you know? because, you know, he, they really... It, I mean, the entire family... Evolved. You see, is just completely deranged, yeah. you know, where it's all like, oh, yeah, he's got himself a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and it's, that's the thing. So, like, in part one, he wants to play with you. In part two, he wants to do you. In part three, he wants to kill you. Yeah. And that's, uh, to me, Ari Mihailov played the most terrifying Leatherface. He was, uh, like, huge. He was, like, seven foot yeah. tall. That, like, uh, remember that was the first time. I mean, I he made Ken Four. He looks yeah. like a small guy. You Even know? without the chainsaw, you're like, yeah, oh, shit. this dude's huge. Yeah, and uh, and the saw was bigger. I just remember was... that uh, that trailer where they treated like oh, Excalibur. Yeah. And it that comes was, out of that the was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but then part two to me as a standalone movie, is, yeah, I think it has the most character of, development. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. You know, so this chainsaw franchise is a very weird one because. There's one Saw film that I'm not a fan of, but the rest, I love every one of them. me, it's the prequel. The, the, the sequel pre, the prequel to, the prequel. to the remake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the prequel to the remake. Movie. I don't like it either. I do not like that movie I did not and, like I, and it's not his fault, but I didn't, no. like, I didn't even like Leatherface in that movie, oh. honestly. And that's not his fault. It's The movie's just trash. Andrew Bernarski's my least favorite Leatherface. That was I, him? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just feel he like... He seemed... I don't know. But... Uh, he didn't... He's... I, I can't say he seems small, but that's what he, when I think of him, like he seems small. But I don't know. The thing is, is that was the beginning. It's supposed to be, and it's like the Texas Chainsaw beginning, and instead it was like Officer Hoyt's beginning. Yeah. It had nothing to do with. Well, he was the best part of it. Yeah. I, I think that's why they made it. I just think his character was so effective in the remake. It was great, and they should have just been done with it. Move it, on. You know how it I goes. Don't know. I, I, I didn't like. That's the only one I don't like. 
Well, that's what I think is, is unusual about the entire series is because even the ones that are connected to each other, they feel distinctly different. It's different. One Everyone yeah. is completely That's different. actually, in, well, I'm not going on tangents, but that's actually what I love about the Child's, Child's Play series yeah. is that even yeah, all, all of them are connected, all very different they all feel yeah. completely different than the other. All right, back to Chick We uh, didn't, uh, yeah, you briefly mentioned Caroline Williams. Yeah, let's talk about Caroline Williams. Did you hear about uh, her audition for the film? I don't know what you're referring to. She she went to the end of the hallway, came running down full speed, busted into the doors, screaming her head off, immediately yanked both Kit Carson and, and Toby Hooper off their chairs, grabbed the chairs, barricaded the door, screaming, and and then started playing the scene. Just <laughs> and that's that's how she won the full com, full com, commitment to the to the audition and uh, got her the role. She is a uh... She's an interesting dude, uh, not dude like dude, but she's rad. I, I, I worked I, with I her. I find her very sexy in that movie, very, very sexy, even though she's unconventional compared to a lot of other right. uh, screen roles or whatever you want to call it. I worked with her last summer, and uh, it was the first time I ever met her. And I was, I don't get starstruck. I work with a lot of my, my childhood heroes, and she was one that I always loved this movie. And I never thought that I would, I mean, she disappeared for a long time. I didn't, I loved her in Leprechaun 3. Like, I, I thought she was great, but I didn't think that she was one I was going to work with. And the day she showed up on set, it was like four or five days into us working together. And she walks over to me and she's like, hey, Dev, there you are. And it was Stretch, her voice, her way of talking. I was like, oh, my God, I just got a, I got approached by somebody who I'm a what fan of. Where did she know of. you from? Um, she just knew I was doing the effects on the okay. movie and she had watched Face Off. She's a fan of Face Off. And, uh, but well, uh, I, it was such an eye opening moment where I was just like, Caroline, it's so good to see you. <laughs> I don't even know her, but she was rad, man. We, we did this movie was sweaty and bloody and nasty well, and she had the best attitude the whole so, time. It's so weird about the, when you think about her role in that movie is because she's very tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, she holds her own. She plays a little bit of the damsel in distress, but she doesn't expect anybody to rescue her. She is strong in the moment. She's very hot, but not conventionally hot. Like, no, but like... And, and uh, you know, and, and the accent, too, really does something yeah. for me in that movie, too. It's just very, it's very unusual. She's hardly playing a role in that movie. I, yeah, like she that. really is that person. Well, that and her 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 chemistry, clear chemistry with LG in that movie is, yeah. is fantastic. You know, it's you really great. believe that they are very close, yeah. and uh, and that's and I, she loves rock and roll in real life. Like she is very much that character. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a trip. I mean, two weeks. Do you know she feels she's played that character in more than one movie? I I would imagine she probably does. Well, n well, actually, she was literally directed to be Stretch yeah. uh, in Leatherface Three, or tech, tech, uh, Leatherface Tex Texas Three. She's playing Stretch. She was told by uh, by Burr, Burr, Jeff yeah, Burr? Jeff Burr, yeah. to to do so, and so she played him in that, or played Stretch in that, and then also in Hatchet Three. Even though she's not playing same character, uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was absolutely told. This the character you. This is what we're going for, and so in her mind it was. Even though the character is Amanda something or other, she's a yep. reporter. That she changed her name based on she, the, this tragedy history. that and she, then she was survived. very much Stretch. And, yeah. Uh, she oddly enough she played Stre a character named Stretch in Sharknado Four, but she doesn't for whatever reason yeah. she doesn't consider that the same character. Yeah. So that's funny. That's funny. I haven't seen the Sharknado Four yet. Neither have I. Um, I actually have not watched any of it. My, my guess is it's a lampoon of the character, which is probably yeah. why she doesn't consider it. I'm sure. But I do know that she ha she likes Sharknado. Um, she talked about that. But cool girl. Uh, maybe someday we'll get her out here to the museum to That'd do a signing. Awesome. I would love it. We've had the talk already, but uh, it's just been, you know, it's trying to work everybody's schedules out. But uh, yeah, so based on uh, the love for this movie. Well. We we're, were completely forget. Well, at least I don't think we've talked about him enough at all. Bill Mosley. Yeah, well, let's talk about Bill Mosley. Yeah, we'll do. A, 
I was getting to a who's okay, who, I... but we'll do who's who <laughs> after we talk about Bill. Well, for, do you know how he got? Yes, I do, and I want to tell that story. No, okay. <laughs> for sure. I don't um, know the facts. Sometimes I expect you to know facts, and you don't know. Yeah, no. And other times you do. So well, I don't here's know. the thing. Bill Mosley was a huge horror fan, and he made a fan film in, uh, it was the Salon Texas, Massacre. Texas, Texas Chainsaw, Chainsaw Manicure. Manicure, yeah. It, was, it took place in a salon, and he mailed it to Toby Hooper. And Toby Hooper thought it was awesome, and when he made the movie, he cast it. And yeah, that's he, uh, he, he knew if he overwrote a sequel that he was going to write a part for him. For, yeah, and I think that's awesome. And well, and, and even he lived character- in like Massachusetts too. He didn't live like he wasn't a Hollywood yeah. guy. But even the character that he wrote for him is because in the manicure, the parody, he played the hitchhiker, right? Who ends up in Texas too. He's playing the twin brother of oh, the, the hitchhiker, hitchhiker. Yeah. who dies, of course, in the original yeah. and stuff. So that's, I mean, it makes complete sense why he wrote that part yeah. for him. So. No, it was, Bill, and that launched Bill Mosley's career Absolutely. into, I mean, from that he went, and I think his next big thing was Army of Darkness. Um, he was just the, one of the deadites, but uh, Sam Raimi was a big fan of uh, Texas Chainsaw, and Bill was a big fan of Evil Dead, and they connected. I and, love that plate in the And uh, oh yeah, the plate in the head. The, I he, love that so when much. He scratches he's sitting the, there pick, yeah, picking, picking at, picking at it he's, with the. He's got the little tasting hanger and tasting and how he it. tastes. Yeah. <laughs> Just, well, I mean, he's a cannibal that eats his own. Yeah, yeah. It was like, how do I taste? You know, I, I need a snack. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like uh, chewing scabs. You know, <laughs> I always thought scabs taste like beef jerky. <laughs> I honestly have never tried my dice caps. Oh, they're like, you get a little stick to it. Like, if you bite it with your teeth to your teeth, you get like a... I, I love beef jerky, though. Yeah. So, yeah. So I like beef jerky. <laughs> uh. I'm actually going to cut in for just a second. Hey, a that's Waleed. Yeah. He's the twin brother? Yeah. I he's thought it was the same character, of the no. and the reason why he had the plate no. in his head was because he got ran over by a truck. No, in fact, the the, the, the body laying across in the in the Breakfast Club poster is the hitchhiker. Yeah, Nubbins. And it's and it's the person that that uh, Leatherface is holding up at the beginning, at the, the back beginning. of the truck. Yeah, when he's like, Woo-hoo! because Nubbins has never, the, Nubbins, never knew that. Nubbins, Nubbins has a birthmark on his face, even though it's on the wrong side in the movie. And then actually at the end. Uh, when LT gets blown up, uh, there's a grenade on him, and there's is Drayton, right? Yes. Yeah. He Drayton's he right. he says he says Nubbins, you know, help me out, and he grabs a grenade off his dead body. Off the dead body of uh, yeah. of. He calls him Nubbins. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that was well. I didn't know that was a hitchhiker's name in the first one. Yeah. Nubbins. They don't call him that, but it yeah. is. That is who it is. That's who I it totally is. thought it was. It was just nope. same dude, but with a plate in his head now. Nope. Oh, learn something new. Anyway, I am going to go back hey, into my your, hidey hole. What's your, uh, <laughs> this is not the top three, but what's your favorite Texas Chainsaw movie? Uh, part two. Part two? Yeah. All right. What's your favorite Leatherface? Same thing? Uh, part three is scarier, um, but part two is, I mean, two, just two, two, has two the most like the characters. Yeah. You know? Great. Oh, here's a good one. What's your favorite Leatherface mask? I actually really love this mask very this much. This mask so. is great. Yes, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I gotta say part one. The the you know the yellow apron part one. What I love about the the mask in this is you can see distinct like multiple faces in. Yeah, it's this. cool yeah. with the nose and the yeah. ears. Even the color of the skin. Yeah, too. Ah, that was always cool with a little bit. And he he's got like uh, he's got sideburns for eyebrows. That's yeah. so that's cool the way it works out <laughs> in his chin hair. And I have to say, though, that it's ironic that this worked out this way because this has what was lacking in last week's uh, feature, which is a climactic fight yeah. between the, the hero and the villain. Got that so badass fucking chainsaw gimmick. Oh yeah, yeah. you can see the chainsaw moving yeah. through. And, yeah. and Savini actually said that he told the, his team what he wanted, and he was gone for like 
eight to ten minutes and it was done. That's that, awesome. that he had already he had already sculpted out the, the belly and stuff like that and already figured out how they were gonna work it out in That's eight awesome. to ten minutes and stuff. Uh, sorry we don't work that fast for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying. This is what I need. Do it. But uh, that and, and also ironic because it came down to grenades too, even though so you can still have a fight. Between and and still, blow them still, up. <laughs> still blow them up. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, uh, it's hard. It's I think Leatherface is treated more as a, an actual individual in this movie more than any others. So yeah. I think that's why I, I love his his character so much in this movie. Um, well, and frankly, even though he clearly still does a lot of carving and stuff like that, he doesn't. He's not as much of an antagonist in this movie as the other ones, you know. And I, I definitely think we need to go and touch base on that scene when... The hump scene? Boy, the face scene. Oh, where... yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although that is the fantastic. The chainsaw hump scene that, is awesome. That is, that is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and it's where she ends up seducing Leatherface into her feminine wiles. And so what... So when it gets to the part on Tahamat, she's able to... You know, plead with him because she don't. He doesn't want to kill her because yeah. he basically looks at her as as his girlfriend. Like girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> all the, all the girlfriend. Yeah, girlfriend. If you're gonna be my girl, you gotta wear this and yeah. puts puts what looks like LG's face on. And you're yeah, uh, you know, at least for me, you know, you're pretty sure that's LG's face and stuff like that. And then uh, he's hiding. He's hiding her. Hiding stretch. And then when they go off. Then she's left there by herself, and it, yeah, sure enough, it's <laughs> it's LG's face because faceless LG with the this is why I'm bringing it up because it's probably best kill, probably best effects. You know, his legs right tore open, yeah. his his half of his body's tore open, and you can see his ribs and stuff, and his face is is gone, and. Uh, and what's funny is that the scene is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that, you know, there's still that party that's going, good Lord, how much agony is that dude in, you know? <laughs> but uh, but it's actually a great character beat, too, between these, you finally see these two characters uh, and how much they actually care for each other because despite the fact that he's a bloody, tore-up mess, he still wants to help her yeah. because he still, he has love for her, you know, yeah. and, and she ends up telling him that she loves, that she loves him. And it's funny, and uh, I watched uh, an interview with them, and uh, he's just musing, of course, but uh, Lou Perryman, who who played uh, LG, said that he believes that, uh, <laughs> that LG lived in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then he eventually got, you know, went to the he hospital, got big Yeah, and him and and then now that he knew that Stretch uh, professed her love for him and stuff, that they actually ended up getting married. <laughs> so my my who's who, my who's cooler question has changed a little bit, but who's cooler? Skinless LG or LG with skin. Skinless LG. I mean, who's? Uh, I mean, that's cool that's as shit. Pretty cool, that's pretty yeah. fucking cool because he's still LG. He, I mean, he's even got he's time like, to spit. And he's, he spits. He spits loogies through the whole movie. He still has time to spit despite the fact that he, he has no says, lips anymore. He always says, "Darling." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I love that moment when you know he goes to cut her free and it kind of looks like he might want to stab her in the back because, <laughs> <laughs> because he's in agony and he's probably pretty angry. But no, he's just in, in such immense pain that he's having a hard time controlling his faculties. <laughs> but she's nice enough to put his face back on it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, that helps a lot because it'll cool him off and stuff. Well, it'll stop the wind blowing yeah. from the, the raw wound. Yeah, you know? it's like, that's nice. That's a nice little touch. Well, that's pretty awesome. I think it's best death, best effects moment in the movie. It's like, practical effects are fantastic. Although I do love the uh, the head scene at the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah that'd it's... be my favorite death in the movie. Actually, yeah, yeah. It's a cool, cool gimmick. The, I think what ended up taking out was I watched the behind the scenes thing, and uh, you've probably tubes seen it. Sh shooting the blood in like squirty tubes. Yeah, and yeah. Savini, Savini was disappointed with the shot, and then, he wanted to do it again. Yeah, and he talked about what they were aiming for and so you know 
and I think that rubbed off on me because, you know, I can totally relate to that yeah. scenario, but being a kid, when I saw it, I was just jumping for joy. I mean, that's just one the rooting, peanuts that you're, he had painted for, uh, for brain fragments. You're, you're <laughs> rooting for the villains at that moment. And it's, uh, it's brilliant. Cause well, that guy a, is such a, well, that's douche. the funny thing is, is the original script, uh, they were written as hippies Yeah, and, uh, and they couldn't get past because they were like, well, no, we we want to root for, for the, the bad guys. Yeah, so making college like that. And so how do you pass that? How do you, and then finally they said, oh, yuppies that wear pastel yeah. polos and shit. It's like, that's it. That's it. it. <laughs> those stupid glasses. It's not dirty, but this is for Rick the Pimp. He wants to hear bright lights, big titties. Wrong. I don't want to hear it. I want to see it. Bright lights, big titties. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the voices were horrible. Like they're like, woo! I thought it was funny. Everybody had a fucking car phone. <laughs> the bad phone. <laughs> even even Drayton Sawyer had a phone in his van. Yeah. <laughs> the future was now. Right. I, I, my dad had one of those car phones. You could never get that kind of reception they had. Right. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyway, uh, so on the hypnoswirl scale of uh, grading, where do you put this one? I still refuse to break, so I just have to go five. All right. I'll uh, see your five, and I'll raise you two. <laughs> I well, go you did seven. You did seven for Return of Swamp Thing. I can do seven for multiple movies. Yeah, I know you can, but I I, I love them both. But uh, to me, uh, Kane's Down Texas 2 is far superior to... We had different childhoods, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, clearly, since I gave uh, return, what I give return a swamp thing, what I give that. Oh, are you a three? A three and a half. I think oh, I gave it. Yeah, that sounds right. So I didn't give it. You gave it an insultingly low number. Is what you gave it. I, you know, I'm changing it to a two and a half. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna go get the chainsaw. <laughs> Let's uh, just pause for a break for a word from our sponsor. All right, we are back at Midnight at the Monster Museum, and what a wonderful, awesome movie we just discussed. If you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw 2, go check it out. If you guys want to leave us a comment, let us know what your favorite TCM movie is. Uh, I'd love to know. And, you know, a bunch of... I just want to touch on this one thing because we're talking Chainsaw, and this is a very passionate film franchise to me. I like them all. And being that, a lot of people bagged on part four. And a long time ago, I got the pleasure to do a life cast on Matthew McConaughey. And I worked on a movie called uh, Reign of Fire. It was a dragon movie. And um, he had shot the whole movie bald, but he had grown hair back. And we were doing pickup shoots. And we had to make foam latex bald caps. So I got to life cast his head. And when I did, he came in at lunchtime. Everybody else was gone. And I said, man, you can sit down and have some lunch with me uh, and hang out or whatever. I was a kid. I was like 20. 20 years old, maybe 22. Uh, and he, and I said to him, uh, no, I wasn't 22, I was 20. Uh, I said, man, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 4. He said, there's no way you love that movie. <laughs> I said, I do love that movie. He you goes, cannot. man, nobody likes that movie. And I said, you know, now you know someone that loves that movie, and it's me. I really do. And I love Texas Chainsaw 4. Um, I think the makeup effects are terrible in part four. I know we're not doing this movie on well, what's, this movie. Well, what's, what's funny is the only yeah. reason why they got released was because both their stars hit. Yeah, you know? and, but also it's what hosts the movie because they had to hold off on the release due to some Jerry Maguire bullshit, yeah. and they weren't allowed to release it. But both Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey went on to be huge stars, and they're part of my franchise, my favorite franchise. So it was a big deal, and, and I love it. I just wanted to share that story. And real quick, I do because I should have said this earlier. Is uh, that's that's what I also say about these modern day remakes, is that they don't necessarily all shit. I don't care what anybody says. The remake of Texas Chainsaw was a good movie. That's a I great really movie. That, that was movie. a great yeah. movie. And uh, that you know, a lot shot, of turn out, the uh, one shot that goes through the van window or through the dude's mouth. Oh yeah, out the back of yeah, his head. Oh, love and, that. And out so the window. Great. That nobody did that. Yeah. That was that was awesome. That was yeah. great. And uh, I thought the mask looked great in yeah. uh, in the. Remake. I have very few complaints about that movie. No, it was great. And it was Jessica Biel. 
She was good. Oh, damn. Yeah, she, she was, was great. <laughs> that was like in the era of wrong turn. They're like, hey, we're going to put a new kind of girl in these movies where they're brunettes and they wear brown tank tops and they have dark blue jeans and they sweat a lot. <laughs> and uh, it worked, man. It was good. I love when she's wearing when uh, Leatherface is wearing Eric Balfour's face, yeah. and you can totally tell it's Eric Balfour's face. Yeah, no, that was good. I guess we could just do a whole episode on Texas Chainsaw at some point, but we're gonna move on. Um... Real quick, you part four. I said you could laugh. I didn't say no. I was kidding. <laughs> Back to your corner. No, because you're saying we like that movie. What is up with the weird fucking mechanical legs? No, the the yuppie uh, businessman of pain with the pierced nipples and the chest thing. Oh yeah. yeah. What the hell was that? That was Leatherface's twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that they're all being hidden by the government. <laughs> Nubbins too. Nubbins senior. <laughs> I love what was that? If, if they didn't have that, it would have been better because that just threw me off, and I was really confused by it. I saw an awesome documentary on YouTube about uh, making Texas Chainsaw Four. It was really rare, and it never got released, but it's on YouTube. Um, I think it's called The Next Generation, uh, but it's. It was awesome, and it lets you in on everything that went wrong with that movie, and that's probably why they never released the documentary, because it's really pretty negative about it. It obliterates the effects crew and and lack of effects. Did McConaughey eventually believe you? That I liked the movie? Yeah. I think he just chuckled it off and laughed yeah. it off, but <laughs> at the same time, I had the exact same, almost the exact same reaction. I worked with Robert Patrick at one point and told him how much I liked Dust Till Dawn 2. And he's like, no, you don't. <laughs> I actually do like that one. I don't like the third one. Though. Yeah, part two was great, man. Yeah. And you had a cameo from Bruce Campbell and Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yeah. That's awesome. And it was, you know what? It was just a fun popcorn movie. But uh, Robert Patrick was nicer. Not, not, not that Matthew McConaughey wasn't nice. He just didn't believe me. But Robert Patrick just kind of laughed about it in kind of his way. and was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was wearing a pin of Texas, or I mean of... Uh, Texas Blood Money, which is that's the yeah, wrong too. I had the pin on, and he said it to me. He was like, "You know, nobody wants." I'm that. wearing the fucking pin. Yeah. Dude, what do you? Think? I was like, <laughs> I found a Texas Blood Money pin. You know. So anyway, so uh, going uh, forward in other things, so like podcast. So disappointed. So Jeff wanted me to watch Overlord, so and he's been up my butt about watching Overlord. They, okay, modern day, modern day horror movie, which had every reason to use a ton of CGI. They deliberately used more practical effects to get reactions out of their actors. Even even That's shooting right. a plane, even shooting the plane crash scene instead of instead of faking it, they actually had it. Where they dumped the damn actors out of the back of a of a fuselage just to get the uh, the proper effect and and that like Conair, no, not like Conair. Oh, <laughs> Overlord. So I have not seen Overlord, but Jeff took his trip to the movies to see Overlord, and actually Waleed saw Overlord Such too. Great so uh, if you guys want to indulge me on why. I might want to see this movie. I that understand. Reason, that reason Actually, alone. I'm going to tell you just it's for the It's a bad robot movie. Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams Production Company. And instead of going CGI, which I would have automatically ex expected such a big company to go, oh, we're going to make it CGI. No, they deliberately went in, uh, for as much practical effects as possible. You know? I don't know. I don't know. I'll watch it. I'll I, I will give it a shot. But that's what she said last week. Tell, <laughs> but tell tell indulge our audience on Overlord. Tell us about it. Tell us all about Overlord. Well, this is the fantastic thing about it is is that on on one hand, it's a, it's actually a World War II movie. Wait, who's cooler? Saving Private Ryan or Overlord? Overlord. Yeah. Overlord. Yeah. It's a World War II movie, and uh, it's based on an, an actual operation, uh, Operation Overlord, uh, that happened back in World War II. And instead of it being like a zombie movie, because they're kind of like zombies. I would, I, would, uh, I would say that the zombieism type thing is more akin to like a Resident Evil type thing. Okay. Um, 
but it's a the, virus kind of yeah and the military the u.s military stumbles across these experiments that the the nazis are doing in nazi germany and stuff they they crash uh and they're in and uh they're just trying to evade the uh the german soldiers and then then they end up wanting to accomplish their mission and and it most of them don't know what's going on, but uh, Wyatt Russell, uh, who is actually Kurt Russell's son, he oh does, yeah, he's great. He is phenomenal because he's he's fucking eighties Kurt Russell in he this movie. He looks just like him. He, he looks like Russell him. Performance. He acts like him. He's McCready from the thing in yeah, this movie. That's, that's basically awesome. what he is. I wonder yeah. what I saw him in something. I don't remember what. He was in Twenty Two Jump Street. I don't. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. That's what I saw. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, there's there's not a lot of big name actors in this movie. No, uh, you don't need them. No, no, no. Uh, but uh, Jovan Odepo, he plays the main character. His name is Boyce in the, in the movie. And I'm only bringing him up because everybody in this movie is phenomenal, even though we haven't seen most of them. And the only main recognizable, there's a guy uh, named Bokeem Woodbine. Some people might know him. He's got a bit part of the movie. That's probably the only other big name uh, person. And then... Ian uh, DeCastecker plays uh, Fitz in Agents of Shield. Oh, okay. Uh, who actually he pl he plays it with an American accent because he's one of the uh, American soldiers and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's that's, crazy how they can just turn their accents off. Yeah, and he does it convincingly because that was the funniest thing is because I kept looking at him. I'm like, I recognize him, but I'm so used to hearing that thick accent from Agents of Shield and a couple other things I've seen him in. I don't know why it was. My, tricking my eyes and yeah. that's not you know who is this you know but uh, absolutely fantastic movie the practical effects are amazing high tension factor i mean who doesn't want to see a revival of 80s kurt russell i mean i do well apparently you don't because you don't watch the fucking movie man. <laughs> <laughs> i will i watch it <laughs> well, that's why I have you. Well, no, because we, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, but it's a great one. So well, I'll watch all the movies and I'll when just we do this discuss them. Well, we can discuss them together. We discussed it together last time, Death House, and we had a great discussion about it. Yeah, yeah. But remember that time when you told me all about Hellboy? Band camp? I didn't. I didn't watch Hellboy. Yeah, but that movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but Overlord doesn't suck. No, that movie's amazing. So what do you give it on your meter? I'm going to give it a five. A five? Yeah. Okay, I, I do. I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to watch Overlord. If I don't watch Overlord, um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't punish myself. What, what, what's a good punish? Uh, I want something good. No, I want tell something me, good. Tell me that. your... Uh, <clears throat> Give me somebody you want me to reach out to to have a signing here. But I want to do that anyway. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, where's the downside? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to be like, you get to pick. <laughs> well, it could be something that you could pick. You know, like, like I something. want you to get Lisa Wilcox out here. Lisa Wilcox. Yeah. Alice from Nightmare on Street 4. And yeah! yeah. Oh. But. That is one. Of them. <laughs> that's a tough one. I love her. Well, love her. that's a tough one because so it's, t it's tough. Anyway, let's move on. I'll watch Overlord. It'll be good. I'm sure. Wait, Wally, what do you give Overlord on a on a on a one to five rating? On a one to five? Yeah. Uh, I'll go with a seven. Oh wow, he's breaking I'll the system. Go... Look at that, he's breaking. Yes. <laughs> you guys, you guys have convinced me. <laughs> I'll do the seven. You guys yeah. have convinced me. No, it, I've never it been It starts more off convinced. like they're in occupied France. And I'm gonna like... stop you right there. Stop, stop. I'm gonna tell everybody in the podcast world why I haven't watched this movie, because Jeff has pitched this to me as a war movie with zombies. I don't like war movies. <laughs> I don't care for them. I just don't watch a lot of Platoon. I don't watch Platoon. a lot of... It's a completely different war. Apocalypse <laughs> Now. Completely different I don't war. watch a lot of Saving like... Private Ryan. I like all of... The, every movie I just mentioned, I think is awesome. How about this? I don't like war movies. But... <laughs> either way... I'm gonna what tell the you. war movies like, like, oh man, I saw this badass war movie. No, okay. I'm just being so, honest. It was a, it's a war movie that have, you know. Kind I of feel like, like I just painted an ugly picture because I do like to watch those movies once. 
I don't watch them over and over again. And maybe I won't watch this over and over again, but I'm going to watch it once and I'm probably going to love it. So leave me alone. I'll watch the dang movie. <laughs> it's really close to like the thing, but like with the without the crazy monster. And it's got the great camaraderie between the teammates and stuff like that. That's what you want to see. And you want to see the team building between the guys that, you know, that guy's a smart ass. I can totally relate to that guy, you know? And is he going to fucking die? Oh, no, he's actually kind of cool. You know, that guy? Yeah, it's got, yeah. it's got all the good tropes and action. It's a it's throwback just, movie. That's the thing. It's a total throwback yeah. movie. All right, With, without being a, I have not been this convinced since anything we've started because I haven't watched anything that you've told me no to watch. Shit. It's sort of but like a crazy, like, will. You didn't watch all, that, what like, we do in the shadows? Super Son of a bitch, because I texted you the other day. <laughs> have you made it to episode seven yet? No, no. I oh, just my God, you know episode. you need to watch episode seven. Seven! Shadows. It's seven! Everything is and seven. And I can't say why, but you need to get okay. that. But you need to watch fucking episode one, two, three, four, five, and six before you get to seven. But you need to watch it first. I have what a that? lot. I gave it a five star, and he's yes. like, "Oh, five star! Oh, I gotta watch it now." He says. <laughs> he said that about what we do in the shadows. <laughs> he said that about what we do in the shadows. <laughs> I'm going to. I gotta watch it before uh, they make the reboot of it, man. All the, all the ones that we that you said that you will watch. You have to watch them sometime in the future. Then, and I, on just one podcast, we will go through all the ones yeah. that you that's you a good watch, one, and then that that you haven't watched yeah, yet. Yeah, because then, we'll then we can have an actual discussion. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree to that. Wally's top three favorite. Go back and part sevens. <laughs> Favorite part sevens? Is there a lot of part sevens? I mean, uh, Friday the 13th part seven? That's the one with the psychic. Yeah, right? of course. That's great. That was great. That was supposed to be Carrie. Freddy versus Jason, right? Or, no, that's Carrie. It was originally. It was a Carrie. Carrie. Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. Which, well, she's basically. She Carrie. is. Yeah, she is. Carrie. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. Effects were cut pretty abysmally, but the movie was a dad. Freaking a dad. Great. <laughs> and Jason looks awesome in that one. Yeah. John B. That's Blair. one seven. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of sevens, is there? Sure, there is. Okay, and enlighten us. <laughs> there's a there's a ton. I mean, I no one really went to like six. Well, no, there's more than there's more than six. Yeah, but you know that's I mean because technically New Nightmares is, is yeah. part seven, but is that because it's it I, breaks from canon and then it's and it's a different. Well, if that universe. counts, then definitely that one because that one. Um, no, it's fantastic. Really it's a fantastic movie. I count it. I mean, hey, if Robert hey, England's playing Robert England, I Lynn, count the seventh Godzilla movie. I count the seventh. You which one's tell part me, seven? Though? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Godzilla. But I love Godzilla something. 1985. And we're talking about, you know, it's like, okay, what else? Puppet Master. <laughs> That's not Pepper Man. Seven's not on there. Sure, there's, there's a seven on there. <laughs> no, I'm not saying the seven don't exist. I'm it's saying not, that don't matter in the list. I don't care if there's only <laughs> if there's only two other two other series in there. <laughs> yeah. There's seven child's play movies. Yes. Well, no, 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 no. 100%. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. we're going that same thing with the new Nightmare. No. No, because they all are in canon. They're all together. Yeah, I mean, they wrap it up at the end. They, they start. All... They start breaking. They start getting meta. But they, let's like bec- the, the way you know that. The way you know that is Jennifer Tilly may show up as Jennifer Tilly, but she's still Tiffany. Yeah. Yeah. In the role. And and she even, just happens I mean, to look like her. Okay, with well, the like the not calling it part seven. Like yeah. they, they no, just they, going off a different people name. People seem to stop after part five. They're like, let's not keep putting yeah. numbers on here because nobody wants to watch that. But I like I, I can or, or bylines. Yeah. yeah. You know. But uh, I would say so part seven of child's play would be well four's bride, uh, five would be uh, uh look lower the number. No, I know why you did seven. Seven thing, seven, seven, seven. I, I was going for like. Yeah. I know, but I. But, now it's but, just like it's re- not really but, picking no, favorites. No, it's realistically most series that fit in this world aren't good, that good by All the time right. they get the seven. How about Walid's top three? Walid's top three. Part threes now. That's a harder question to answer. Like All in a right. good way. Waleed's top three favorite boobs. <clears throat> I don't know why I'm adjusting. In a horror film. I'm not talking about um, boobs yeah. in real life. I'm sorry. Got to be Pamela Voorhees. Or not. 
Yeah. <laughs> that that's is, it. That is uh, that is my number two actually. I've actually given this some thought. I, well, I was I stopped because you were like no influencing, but I mean, how can you not? You can't. No, no. The first thing <laughs> no, that my, was, my first one was going to be uh, I can't remember her name, but so from Life Force. Life Force. Oh, good lord, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And can you believe she was a ballet dancer too? Oh, that's weird. Because yeah. usually the dancers are never given any thought. Yeah. Um. Uh yeah, a uh, Life Force, uh Friday thirteen part five and uh Elvira. Just nice. But I, I, I wouldn't put her in that list. No, it does that have to be like straight up. No, no, you can't. no, that's no, 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 I'm just just I just no that's there, there's nothing wrong with that. I and it, I respect one hundred percent. I respect okay it. Right? I respect yeah. it. I Thanks. just wouldn't put her on my list. That's all I'm saying. Uh, ladies, but it's your list, so ladies who are listening to this podcast, I don't want to offend people by thinking that we're being sexist. But they're pigs, there. But it's for part reason. of the five B's, three B's uh, of horror films is blood, boobs, and beasts. Yeah, they're, right? they're like you have to have. I mean, them. That's why they're there. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's one of those things where I, I think that it, uh, there's not a teenage horror fan who hasn't spoken about it, and I think we all have our. Lists. Particularly in the those throwbacks we're talking about, you yeah. Know? I mean, that's and that's really what's. I mean, and you just named eighties icons. Yeah, right I mean, there, it's all been yeah. lost yeah. of modern day, but yeah, especially being you know a teenage kid and you're watching these movies and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had described the other day when Corey Feldman is in his bedroom in part four, uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Four, and he's looking out the window and he hides under the sheets and yeah, he pulls the blanket over to, his head. In part five, oh my that god, that would have been me in, in my in my room as a kid, seeing part five. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and it was awesome what he what he said with his number two Voorhees uh, being. Uh, well, well, that's let's think about that. That's how iconic it is. It's his list. I start to say it, and all three of us go, yeah. It's got to be one. Right? Her last like, name being Voorhees yeah, that's, uh, yeah. in a Jason Voorhees right? movie. And part five. It wasn't like the name came from the... It's not even got Jason in it. Yeah. Like, I mean, spoilers <laughs> really. uh, or no, whatever. Yeah. Some yeah. flashbacks. Well, and then technically at the, at the end, they kind of tease yeah. the, the mentality. A little bit. Yeah. But, uh, man... I love Part Five. That was actually the first Friday Thirteenth movie I ever saw. I, I uh, it was rainy outside, and I turned it on, and it was rainy on the movie, and Reckless is running through the woods, and I was terrified. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll save that one for another day. Yeah, you know. Boobs. Uh, boobs. Boobies. So, uh, nighttime is the fright time, and this is Midnight at the Monster Museum. I'm Tom. That's Jeff. That's Waleed, and we are out. Okay, well, I'm gonna lock up. See you guys later. Oh, sweet. Looks like he fucking forgot about the kill me segment this week. Looks like I'm gonna live this week. Oh, fuck. Hi, Georgie. Aren't you gonna say... Hello? Fuck me. There goes that. Looks like I am dead.